Hey friends and fellow walkers, trying something new today. A round table discussion, three people around three microphones in the same room with a topic in the center of the table. Let's see what happens. Enjoy. If we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor. You don't have to believe certain things to be part. The irony is that you can be pro-guns, pro-death penalty, pro-military, anti-environment, and still say you're pro-life. But people get really uncomfortable. It's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn. They want to do both. I don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? As always, our sponsor for this episode is Rise Nutrition with Angie Niska. You can find them at Rise Menominee. That's Rise with a Z on Facebook. And in the show notes, there's a direct link because you can get your free wellness profile only if you click on that link. Again, Rise Nutrition with Angie Niska. That's Rise with a Z. Check them out at Rise Menominee on Facebook. All right, guys, today, roundtable discussion about, oh, this is going to be good, masculinity with my friends, John Pulley and Brian Wilcom. Even if you're a woman, you're going to want to listen to this conversation. All right, well, welcome to Jesus Never Ran's first ever roundtable discussion. I wanted to feel comfortable in this first one, so I brought in a couple of friends. So I've got John Pulley here and Brian Wilcom, and I thought it'd be appropriate for us to start with the topic of masculinity, first and foremost, because we're all men. So that's one thing I knew we had in common. And so I want you to start by, and I'll, I'll start, I'll, I'll go first, but I'm going to ask you what it is that makes you appropriate for this conversation. And maybe just like a smidge of what your manhood, even growing up, looks like. So for me, I had this space in my home life when my parents just let me become who I wanted to become. So when I was a little kid, I had a doll and they never took it away from me. I grew up and then like when I was in <laughs> when I was in high school, I, I I'm not a crier, but the two times I remember crying in high school, once was listening to the soundtrack for Les Miserables and the other was when my Michigan Wolverines were ranked number 1 in the nation and they lost to Michigan State on a last second failed two-point conversion. So I do have this like sports masculinity but also this give me a doll and a musical you know side to me as well <laughs> and and so that's a little bit about me I was one of two kids at Boscobel High School that did not take off a week for hunting I, I don't hunt that's not something that interests me uh, I don't even eat all that much meat but I do support people who hunt and I'm totally fine with it so I'm in this really weird fuzzy space uh, I've been married to a woman for 20 almost 23 years now and I've got two teenage daughters so my household is filled with estrogen and uh and that's that's what kind of man in a nutshell i am who's not in a fuzzy space right now right. <laughs> <laughs> all right who wants to go to brian you go next how about 
I'm kind of similar to you a little bit, Matt, although I do go out and shoot the deers. The deers? I, nice. I, the deers, you know, you're from Wisconsin. So I I go hunting. Um, I was a part of Campus Crusade for Christ in college, and there was an event called Burly Man, which at the time made me feel like a man. And it was just these guys in the woods, and, you know, it, it just, it, it, it was a little bit too too much, I think, you know, looking back at the time. Uh yeah, you know, talking a little bit about the toxic side of, of, of that retreat. But I played a lot of sports growing up. You know, we just supposed to say all the stereotypical things. Stereotypes are helpful, yes. <laughs> just throw out the stereotypes and then maybe where you don't fit into the stereotypes as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like a good cry every once in a while. You know, like one thing my I get kind of made fun of in my family is like I'm someone who likes to sit and enjoy some coffee and just talk in the house. But hey, it has brought my wife and I closer together, so. I like that. And speaking of just, we'll get to you, John, but speaking of conversing, so I've got teenage daughters. Both of their friends, when they met me, assumed for a reason that I couldn't understand at the time that Macy, my oldest daughter, Macy's dad is gay. And the reason, because then I, I get to know them, so then it's like, why did you think I was gay? Gay. I mean, I'm married to that woman right over there, and you know, we have a, a household here. And they said it's because I would talk to them. So speaking of oh, weird wow. stereotypes, because I could engage in conversation, like you just mentioned, Brian, mm-hmm. that was put on me as a trait that I guess was not masculine. Did you have some coffee too, or like a I, latte? I you're... always have like <laughs> I always have coffee, and then somewhere between three and six, it changes to something alcoholic. Usually, that's that's sure. pretty much my typical day. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> john our southern representative not all of us are from wisconsin your you know? boy yeah mm-hmm. so i can talk southern all the time if you want me to that well if it makes you if feel that better. makes me feel masculine all right masculinity for me i was trying to think like i am not a, a, a hunter gatherer that's not my role in life it's never been a thing i mean all my friends in arkansas they grew up that way and i just never got into it for some reason i i think that i was uh definitely labeled a band geek in high school, that was my thing. I was a trumpet player, and I found uh, that that was the thing that I did well, or that people gave me kudos for. So naturally, I clung to that with both hands. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I try to think like I, I do think that I do maybe similar to Matt. I have a gay gene. I get accused of that a lot. If I watch Glee, I might cry. I don't know why I do. It makes no sense to me. But I also will cry when I watch Goodwill Hunting. So. I, I don't know. I think there's masculinity growing up was I didn't have clear boundaries other than the stereotypes and the things that were put on me. You know, you saw the John Waynes and J.R. Hewings of the world. That's what you have to be. You have to be a tough guy or you have to be, you know. Jerry, you, he was Dallas, right? Oh, yeah. Dallas. Oh, yeah. My initials are J.R., so that was what I was called growing up, J.R. This is before your time. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. Nah, it's okay. (laughs) Terrible show. All right, so we have a culture of, I guess, what's being called toxic masculinity. You hear those two words together all the time. So that leaves people like us in this room in in a difficult spot because we don't want to represent that stereotype. I think we all know kind of what that stereotype is. But I don't think any of us are willing to let go of what we love about our manhood either because that's a wonderful and beautiful thing as well. So I guess the hope through this conversation is that we could come to some sort of meaningful discussion of where that helpful middle ground is. I grew up Catholic. John, you grew up? 
I didn't grow up and going to church. No church, Brian. Catholic. Okay. Slash Lutheran. Okay. Slash non-denominational. Perfect. That was <laughs> nice. So we've got a, a different points of reference here, but for for me, it was you know the Catholic Church was certainly. Uh, male dominated for sure and then when i got into the evangelical world that was very much head of the household which is a concept i married a very very strong woman like an independent when we were engaged she moved out to new york city not knowing anybody all by herself that kind of woman and so the idea of her marrying a head of the household just wasn't going to fly so head of the household idea never worked even though like mentors in our lives were saying no you got to be the head of the household and then of course you know like you talked about the retreat that you went on that was like every man thing that happened in the church and breakfast always had like tons of meat just this last week at a fierce freedom event i got invited to a like a kill it and grill it kind of thing for a men's event and and i told him i don't i don't think i want to come (laughs) he looked at me like i was crazy so so how do we how do we move forward without emasculating ourselves but also without continuing to ruin this world like men have kind of done for well since the beginning (laughs) that's a good point good point i think that's a good place to start yeah how many things have men screwed up i can't think of anything men haven't screwed up yeah it's it's a lot it's a long list but i think for me like the word masculinity is not a toxic word but like you put them together and i think that's sort of a catchphrase nowadays like toxic masculinity but and you don't hear toxic femininity. Just so we're clear, I've never yeah, heard those two no, together. Either. Although there's certainly such a thing. The essence of a man and a woman are good things. Mm-hmm. And the you know the word I think as I was reflecting on this topic, it's like that word masculinity is not a toxic word. It's a, it's a good word. It's a it's a healthy word. And I think we're we're in this really cool time in our world where we're you know we're we need new definitions for things desperately. And, you know, there, um, there are a lot of people speaking out against uh, just, yeah, just all these stereotypes and breaking free of some of that stuff because there are the stereotypes, but then there are the causes of those stereotypes, like the mental health crisis, I mean, the suicide, violence, different things. And you see it, I mean, this last year is a perfect example of some of that, where just, uh, you know, toxic anything can be really bad for the world. Fine. I like that. Speaking of a different form of masculinity... I love, I mean, there's some women authors out there that I just love. And right now I'm, I'm reading a book. Do you know who Glennon Doyle is by any chance? So she's got a new book called Untamed. It's, it's obviously for women when you read it, but I just love her. My she's wife's reading that book right now. Yeah, well, tell her I love it just as much as she does. Y'all should have coffee. Yeah, we should. <laughs> but if I was reading that book out to coffee, I would feel like I had to hide it a little bit because yeah. a lot of people know Get an extra large. Right, right. But she has this great section that I just read the other day where she's got a boy and a girl. She's raising a son and she's raising a daughter. And she spent so much time talking to the daughter about how society misrepresents her. And then one day she was watching the news and she realized, wait a second, like we do the same thing to guys and to boys in our culture as well. We do the exact same thing, yet we talk probably more about uh, the feminine side of things than we do the masculine side of things. And that really made me think, and I thought through, like, what are we seeing in the media? What are we seeing in magazines? What are we hearing on the news? And, like, both sides are just completely contrary to what I believe God would have for femininity and masculinity. And, John, you just 
today put out the news that there's going to be a it's called man alive event in wisconsin so you are like in the crux of this conversation so tell us a little bit about what that is and what it's going to look like well, Man Alive Expedition is a, an event that I went to about 11 years ago. Like most guys, I'd tried a lot of things. My marriage had failed. I'd lost my job. I mean, I'd kind of collapsed a little bit, and and I kind of sunk into myself. You know, I just I bought into I'm not good enough. And, you know, same thing everybody buys into at some point. But we ended up going to this event, and I had a, my best friend invited me to this event. And I, now at the time... I hadn't gone to church in several years. I was very bitter with God. And my friend's like, hey, what are you doing in three weeks? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have plans. He's like, come to this thing. I'm like, well, what is this thing? He's like, ah, oh, it's a Christian event. It's going to be in, you know, from Thursday through Sunday. I'm like, let me see. Go to the woods with a bunch of Christian guys. Nope, I'm out. Not going, right? <laughs> um, he berated me until I actually went. And I used every excuse I could. Like, I can't afford it. It's $250. I can't do it. He's like, no, you're going to, I'll pay for it. And as it ended up, this guy paid for um, eight people total to go. I mean, he spent $2,000 getting seven other guys and himself there. And what happened was it's a whole weekend that takes what we're talking about. And it's – there's – I mean, if you've ever read the book or heard of the book Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, right? He talks about things like you can try to pull masculinity out of boys, but they're going to chew their graham cracker into a gun at the table and shoot mm -hmm. at you with it. Right. And I think, I think the very thing we're talking about is it's – there's – there needs to be a – a place where men can be given permission to be men. And I think that's what our society misses because it goes too far, like you were talking right. about, right? Um, so what Man Alive is designed to do is to make the space to have conversation. You kind of disconnect from the world for a few days, you know, turn your cell phone off for a little bit and get away and, and stop and pause to think and to consider and to find out what is in my heart that's different than a woman's, what is different than a female, and why is that not bad? Right. I mean, we you can go back even if you go to the Bible, you get into the things like everybody for years growing up. Right. Who hasn't heard wives submit to your husbands. Right. Everybody's heard that. and It's been used on both sides for good and bad. But no one seemed to hear. And husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There's a balance in I'm a man and I'm going to be a little bit wild. and I'm going to do some things that are a little bit crazy that you may never do because you're a woman. Yeah. However, I can still have a tender heart towards a woman and have an expression of emotion and love and caring, but not lose who I am as a man. Sometimes you want to shoot stuff or drive a car too fast or, you know, I don't know what the answers are, but whatever that is, there's something in a man. That's why men go to war most of the time, right? We're, we're kind of built with an innate... Let's make something move. Not that women aren't, and you, you, you know me well enough to know I don't believe right. that women are changing the world when it comes to anti-trafficking. However, I just think there is a drive that doesn't need to be squelched. It just needs to be kind of reined in a little bit, or, or as you said earlier, just redefining it. Let's figure out what masculinity really looks like. So it's, it's a cool weekend. I mean, it actually transformed my life. I, I still, to this day, meet with those guys every week. You know? And that is going to be June... Something. 10th through the 13th. Okay, perfect. And we'll put information on that in the show notes if anybody's interested. That's in Wisconsin. So if you're from Wisconsin, it'll be in your backyard. If you're not, it's time for a road trip. <laughs> okay, two questions. First one is, 
what makes you feel most like a man and that can be different for everybody second one is what makes you feel least manly okay mm. brian whoa because there's some big questions so like i grew up in a home where my parents didn't necessarily have the best friendship they were like great teammates great partners they took us to do amazing things you raise a really strong values lots of good stuff but the communication piece was just not there. And maybe that was driven by some stereotypes at that time, but they just, for whatever reason, they they weren't doing a lot of good sharing with each other, like being vulnerable and expressing emotion. And so like, I think for me, when I'm talking with my wife about something really sensitive or vulnerable or having that, that kind of conversation, I, I, I've learned to feel like more of a man in doing that. You know, just because I didn't see my parents doing that. And so I, I, I think that that left an impression on me. Like I, I want to be able to communicate well and t- have hard conversations and share my heart too with, with my wife. And ironically, like that's, that's sometimes where I feel like I'm strong. I love that. I don't know if that's, does that sound dumb? I love that. No, it sounds like hope for the future. I don't know. You're the youngest one in the room. So the fact that communication to you feels manly literally is... But I learned that out of pain, you know, I learned that out of watching two people really struggle with that. And so sometimes I even over communicate, but I've been told by some of my friends in the past, like, that's not a real masculine trait. No, not, not societally anyway. No, no, exactly. But at least like I've gotten that impression from some people, which has made me question, like, am I doing the right thing? And I know I am, but like, you feel sometimes like you're not doing. I mean, Jesus was, he was, the dude was chatty. Got, he was chatty. He liked to talk, so I think. Yeah, yeah. He would. He wasn't. I don't think he was ever known for being kind of hush hush. Well, so I guess I'll just add to that, answering your second question about when I feel least like a man. It's I'm not sure if I'm in this new generational group that if I'm doing something like stereotypically manly, I don't feel so much like a man. This also just feels too much like a stereotype, and I'm living in that, and I don't like that. Huh. Does that make sense? It does. Mm-hmm. It makes a ton it's, of it's sense. It's a weird thing. Like, <laughs> so you're kind of all up in your head is what I'm hearing. Yeah, maybe that's uh, that's my own deal. But I think that's a better better way to go than, than the opposite. I think that when I feel most like a man, it's it's been – they're kind of the same thing. It's really kind of interesting to me. But like I, as I've gone through many, many years of, of struggle of trying to find out what being a man is and feeling how, like I can be in touch with who I really am or what I like to do – I feel like when I'm able to speak authoritatively with what I feel, when I can stand for what I really believe in and yet do it in a way that allows someone else that feels the opposite to be able to be heard too. I don't need them to agree with me to be validated in myself. I feel like I feel like a man when I'm able to go, this is actually how I feel about it and I see this, 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 and this. And they can say, well, I feel the exact opposite and I go, that's fine. Let's look at the fruit of it and see where it goes. I don't need them to agree with me, right? Which in our society today, that's big, right? That's really big. I, you don't have to agree with me. All I have to do is know that I believe what I believe. If I don't really believe, I don't know. I just, I just think that sets people free. If you can just yeah. allow them to feel, feel I've right. even started using the phrase. I said, this is what I think, but I very well could be wrong just to like open right. that door so that people know that I'm okay if you want to disagree with me, because a lot of people have throughout my life, and it's not been a negative thing, really. It's actually been quite positive. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm super prideful. You know, I don't love it, but. Yeah, details. <laughs> details. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
but where I feel like I'm not a man is when I, and this is interesting, it doesn't fit the masculinity term, when I blow past what I know about somebody and hurt them mm. or, or don't, don't understand, understand their situation or don't remember that a year ago their father died and I make some joke about death. I mean, I, you know, again, things like that, I go, no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's very manly to take the feelings and the heart of another person and trample on it just not thinking. Yeah. That's what I think is when I just don't think. I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I just heard somebody didn't mean to. Yeah, I like that. So confidence is a manly character that you cling on to, which I think is wonderful, and I think that's really important. I think we need that in our world today. Uh, I think that's one of the pieces that is in danger of getting lost, that we mm-hmm. think toxic masculinity has something to do with confidence, and that's really not the case. It's more to do with pride, uh, selfishness, things like that. I think confidence definitely is a part of what makes masculinity beautiful and then i love that part of where you feel like you and i are a little bit the same that way that we're quick to say stupid shit and and to hurt people's feelings and i don't even realize it when i do it It happened to me just earlier this week on this podcast so i can apologize on the podcast that i said something in relation to abortion somebody listened to the podcast who early in their life had an abortion brought up all sorts of crap and I didn't even think about that person when I I just said it. And that was short-sighted. And I felt exactly like what you said, John. I think for me, okay, so mine might be a little bit more stereotypical. I feel the most manly, and I think you and I can relate a little on this. I know Brian and probably you too, John, uh, of just being out in nature. Anytime I'm outside of the walls of my house and I'm in the woods or I love to bike ride, I love to hike, cross-country ski, kayak, canoe, I just feel so alive and so masculine in those moments and I don't know what it is but everything makes sense you know and so I've got to be careful actually because I can spend way too much time doing those things and then the places where I feel like uh, where I, I lack masculinity or I feel like I'm not a man is I'm a super laid-back guy and sometimes in the context of like household parenting especially that doesn't work all that well especially with teenagers and so sometimes i feel like i'm really lacking as a man when i can't be a little stronger as a parent or even as a as a husband sometimes whereas in professional settings i feel like i don't have a problem with that but because i'm i've got a house full of women and because i care deeply about women's rights and toxic masculinity and things like that. I think I'm so concerned about protecting them that sometimes I, I, you know, I feel like I'm not a man because I probably go too far in that direction if I'm honest. So, okay. What is uh, John Pulley? What's your advice for the church in regards to masculinity? Because we've really screwed this up pretty, pretty good. I mean, we're still in 2021 having conversations about whether or not women should be allowed to preach at a church on a Sunday morning or be on a board of directors. I mean, that is still happening today. I don't know if you guys saw the video that went viral last week about the pastor. He's he's out there talking about relationships and his advice to women was that they have to watch their weight. I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but I don't know what his wife looked like, but if anybody needed to watch their weight, he was probably (laughs) one of them. I mean, the dude wasn't like fit. And he's just harping on women that if they want a healthy marriage, they've got to watch their weight. 
from the front of a church pulpit with a Bible in his hand. Yikes. Go, son oh, of a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, John, what, what's your message? I actually haven't church? seen that. I need to watch that. We should oh, pull that up it's right insane. now. I, I, have, I really have two things. I think that I think that there are three words that the church, especially church leadership, needs to learn, and they need to say them often and often and often, and that is we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. We were wrong. Uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries just did this whole thing, and I, they did a 12-page report, and the thing they said as the board of directors is, we were wrong. And I'm like, if we could say that more, I think we would have more of an impact on wives, children, and the world. I think that the poor side of masculinity where we have to always have the answers and always be right and always be perfect and always read our Bible and always have our daily time and always do this. If we could do everything perfectly, Jesus was useless. So why do we keep trying to pretend like we need to fix it? Just say, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Thank Thank God God for him. I was wrong. And if we could do that, our world would change. Our interactions would change because people wouldn't be as defensive because people would go on a podcast a week later and go, I am sorry I said this. Right. It's beautiful. I love that. And that's what we need to learn to me. That's my advice to men. Stop trying to be some caricature of a man. Learn to get in touch with your own heart and how God's asking you to walk out this life and do that with humility because that's the other piece that most people are missing is humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Stop yeah. trying to promote yourself. That, that humility is huge. I mean, I would all just uh add on to that a little bit and just say for me like the church needs to be leading by example and how we lead from the top slowly trickles down to you know to everybody else and what what we say who we quote you know 93 percent i think uh of church pastors are male uh, and that's one thing i think totally needs to change and then at the 100 percent of the top 100 evangelicals churches have a lead pastor who's a man yeah you know it's just like i think the hang on i'm doing math real quick yeah so the hundred biggest evangelical <laughs> churches in america all have a male lead pastor yeah. kind of a goofy thing you know and the the other flip side of that statistic is that most people that are involved in the church are actually women and right. that you know there's men don't like to go to church yeah so like i i worked in youth ministry for a long time and how hard was it to find like really good solid male leaders but yet all the male leaders are, are in the top positions. So like, I guess I would say there needs to be something along the lines of the church needs to wake up to just these equal rights and just in- inclusion and stuff like that, that they can hold same, the same positions, they can preach, they can be on stage. There's just an equality there that just needs, desperately needs to get acknowledged and recognized. I know there's a huge movement in the Catholic Church, for example, trying to get to allow women to be priests or even deacons. Let's just, let's take, you know, take one step if we can't go all the way right now, even though we should. It seems almost ridiculous that we're living in 2021 and that there's still so much work to be done in this area where our identity comes in Christ, not necessarily our gender. But yet we tend to elevate gender over our spiritual identity all the time. And that's that's where I think the church needs to fix itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, yeah, and I would say in 
yes and amen to both of you. And to the church, I would say stop being the last damn person to the table because it feels like culture gets there, right? So culture is going to get us to equal rights for women way before the church gets there. The church is going to follow because they have no choice because eventually culture will stop coming in their doors. What would a church have to do to to get a man in its door? That's such an interesting question. And I don't have a full answer, but I do. I did read something online recently about like, these churches that were thriving and successful, they uh, they did away with their men's ministry entirely. They were doing the work of redefining masculinity, and 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 they realized that some of their retreats and their uh, their groups and their clubs and things like that were not helping. They were hurting the church, and so they got rid of all of it. And now they they practice more like inclusion and just kind of. Uh, you know, um, you know, different things just to redefine what it means to be a, a man who loves Jesus, who's still involved and loves his church and serves the community. John, how do we change? Or do we? Or do we just let it fade? I think what it was is not going to be anymore. It's not viable. It's not working. It's not leading to more men coming and being involved. We've had about right at a thousand guys go through Man Alive. And the thing that I see that really attracts people to the message that we have and wanting to be a part of what we do is that we're real people. We're not the caricature. We're not the ideal Christian man. I love Jesus, but I cuss and I drink some beer and I might smoke cigarettes occasionally or once an hour. Sometimes in life when you're talking about something that has really hurt you or that has deeply wounded you, you need to be able to say that shitty and not worry about people going, did he just say a curse word? Did you you should repent from that. Don't say that around me. No, we need to be real people. We're we're not perfect. We're people that make mistakes. We're loved by a perfect God who made a perfect sacrifice. It's not on us to be perfect. He's already done it. And so we've got to stop. I just think that authenticity and being able to talk openly about this is a real issue. I mean, the statistic in church, 75% of Christians in church look at porn. And my caveat statistic is 24% lie. So, I mean, it's true, but we can't talk about it. We can't speak about it. We can't talk about, let alone put words to a yearning inside the heart that's calling out for love and intimacy that's supposed to come from the Father that we're reaching out to pixels for. We, we don't have a space as men where we can talk openly and honestly, and I think that's what has to change. I just don't know that the church methodology, the way it's been doing, is going to keep working because people are done with it, and they won't replace, they won't do anything. They'll keep holding on to this fake or this caricature and this trying to be this masculine person until they see something real. Yep. They're just going to keep going back to this. You've got to be honest and authentic. And that's that's the key, right? They, the church has been doing it the same forever. It just finally isn't working because I think, again, culture wants something that's authentic as far as masculinity goes, character is, I think you've both used that word, is a great word to to describe it because it is, we're supposed to adhere to this standard to be a man, which causes us to die as a human because we're not willing to to work through some of those issues. I think the swearing thing is hilarious because every I can always see when somebody is at the beginning of their deconstruction of their faith because the first thing that happens is they start swearing it's like a true. sailor. That's what I did. I was like, oh, finally, it's I can true. just say whatever the hell I want. It's true. And I said, it's, it's, the, it's the gateway drug to deconstruction is, is swearing. Uh, John brought up Ravi Zacharias. If anybody's not aware of who that is, just Google it. Probably the most recent things you'll see is about his 
his uh, his struggles as a man, and he was a poster boy for evangelical Christianity for a long time. Passed away not too long ago, and then it came out that that he was doing uh, a lot of things that that make a lot of us very upset. Well, thank you guys for being here. Last words. Ooh. I don't know. I appreciate this conversation and a chance to talk about hard things, honestly. I mean, that's going to do, I mean, that's that's where the best work starts, where we can actually be authentic, be in these rooms, in these safe places where we can actually like talk about what we're all experiencing and not trying to meet unrealistic standards. John, final words? Oh, I, I think this is a fantastic topic. Thank you for inviting me here. And I, I, this has been a great conversation. I, I mean, my heart is that I, I think over anything else in this world, I want to be who I am everywhere. I don't want to be who I am. One person at church, one person at home, one person in social. I, mean, I just want to be authentic because who I am is enough. It's enough. I mean, am I always learning and growing and changing? Yes. But I think when it comes to masculinity, I think accepting the things that are already inside of us as the as true parts of us, right? I think that's really important is getting to be authentic and genuine wherever you are. Awesome. Woo! Good stuff. <laughs> and just stop looking at porn, right? Just That's oh, all that we have simple. to do. It's just that stop simple. looking at yeah, porn. Yeah, we'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have another episode on that. We will. We will. We should definitely do that. So again, Man Alive, where can they find information on that? Uh, go to manaliveexpedition.com. All right. And fiercefreedom.org is the anti-trafficking organization that both John and I do a lot of work for. So check that out. Brian will have some incredible things coming, but he's in, hey. in between projects is what we'll call this right now. So, uh, so as soon as Brian launches his next thing, because He's an Enneagram 7, so it's coming eventually. So uh, we'll let you know when Brian's launching whatever it is that comes out of his manly mind and brain and heart. It's going to be so manly. Well, I hope this uh, encourages conversation amongst other people. This is a conversation that needs to be happening amongst husbands and wives, with our kids, definitely in church settings, even in our work settings. Just this idea of what it means to be masculine, how we look at that, because again, we don't want that pendulum to swing too far to the other side where it's just as toxic. And this is just a conversation. Nothing any of us said is the end-all, be-all answer to the problem with masculinity. It's just an honest conversation. We'll do it again some time guys appreciate you both and until next time keep walking i hope you enjoyed that first attempt at a round table special thanks to brian wilcom and john pulley for helping me out and being the guinea pigs on the first one of course we are going to keep doing it so every month we will have a different topic and a different group of people so make sure you join us for that also make sure you subscribe to this episode Give us a five-star rating and write a review. Until next time, keep walking.